everybody. It is Dean Z speaking to you from Michigan Law School. Today I want to address sort of some quick hits of a wide variety of questions that we've called from different places like, you know, your comments and emails, um, conversations I've had on the road this fall, that sort of thing. They're good questions that I think will be helpful to a lot of applicants, but aren't the answers don't take up a whole episode. So let's get started. Number one. What should I, what's a good undergraduate major and closely related, should I take undergrad law classes? The answers to those would be doesn't matter and only if you want to, but let's flesh that out a little bit. So undergrad law major, I mean undergrad major, what will prepare you for law school? There are a whole lot of classes, a whole lot of majors that will teach you skills that will be relevant to you in law school. Um, that would be any liberal arts major, for example, where you'll do a lot of writing, critical thinking, social sciences. Most popular major for law school is poli-sci, but you definitely don't need to be a political science major in order to do well in law school. And in fact, you don't even need to do any of these classes that give you particular skills in order to prepare yourself for law school. We have a lot of STEM majors in any given year. We have um, people who come from theater backgrounds. We have people who come from music backgrounds. All the different disciplines that you can study in undergrad will prepare you in some way or another for law school. Now you may, if you've had a major where you didn't do any writing, you're probably gonna have to you know, get up to speed with writing in some way. Same with like if you haven't had copious amounts of reading, you certainly will in law school. But all those different backgrounds uh, benefit a law school classroom and benefit you and will be appealing to various kinds of legal employers too. So you, you know, you, you, you'll be able to pull on whatever strengths you got from your undergraduate major and you should study the thing that is really speaking to you in undergrad. And that's both because you, know, you can make use of it, whatever it is in law school, and because what if you don't end up going to law school? Right? You don't want to have studied something specifically to get you ready for law school and when you decide, actually what I want to do is something completely different. So don't worry about picking a particular major. And by the same token, if your undergraduate institution has law classes and that's very appealing to you, sure, by all means take one or two. You don't need to take them for us to think you are serious about law school. And you should also recognize that anything you take that is a law class in undergrad will be very different from what we do in law school itself and might give you some useful information but won't give you a huge edge or anything like that. So don't take those classes because you think that's the thing that's going to get me you know, good grades down the line. Only do it if it seems of interest to you and those classes are good at your undergraduate institution. Okay, that I feel like is a pretty good segue to another question we got, which is, are there things you can do as an undergrad or maybe even after you've graduated from college to help you understand if law school is right for you? Yes, so most colleges will have at least one pre-law group. If you are a University of Michigan undergrad, there are something like 7,000 pre-law groups. So uh, those kinds of groups will often bring in speakers who talk about law, will often have um, service projects that have to do with the law, will get you some exposure to the law and people who work in the field. So that's a pretty great starting point. Uh, taking some of those undergrad law co courses that I mentioned, they are very different than, what's, than what is taught in law school, but if you love them, I think that's a not bad indication that you would be happy in law school, uh, and if you hate them, it's a not bad indication um, 
that you might not love law school, although I guess that is also dependent on professors and sort of the way a given course gets taught. Um, let's say none of those are options for you. What else can you do? Well, summer jobs. Um, many law firms employ people in the summer to do, you know, all kinds of different jobs. You know, some of them are more, substance, more substantive than others. Often the bigger the law firm, uh, the less substantive your job would be, but is they also tend to employ you know, an army of summer people, so that might be an easier job to get. But there are also nonprofit institutions uh, like the ACLU or uh, government organizations, public defenders' offices, prosecutors' offices that often have summer interns. That's a particularly good way to really see what the practice of law is, is like and get a sense of it from that. One other idea is working with your school's career office to see if you, they can connect you with alumni of your undergrad institution who have uh, gone to law school, who you might be able to do a job shadowing with or just sit down for coffee with. Um, and finally, I would say look for opportunities uh, where law schools are, are going to be in the neighborhood. We do a lot of recruiting in the fall, going around to different college campuses or um, the Law School Admissions Council hosts a variety of forum in big cities, and that could be that might be a start to having conversations that would give you some idea of what law school is like. Okay, now for something completely different. Here's a question: Is it okay to cancel a law uh, an LSAT score twice? That's a great question. So you're probably aware that law schools uh, you can you can take the LSAT multiple times. I think it's five times over the course of uh, a certain number of years. Uh, that rule keeps changing. I should really get a handle on that. But anyway, there's a limited number of times you can take it. And law schools, you know, put the emphasis on the high score for sure. But if you're taking it many times, it diminishes the value of that high score because you've just had that much more exposure to the test. And so partly the higher score is going to be an effect of you're more comfortable with and familiar with the test and uh, that's just an advantage over the person who got that same score the first time. So by the same token, multiple canceled scores will tell us that you've been exposed to the test. So do you need to be worried about two canceled score? I would say in general, if you've sat for the LSAT three times or fewer, it doesn't matter if those are scores, it doesn't matter if those are cancellations and scores, some mix in there. I think that is all fine. I am aware that we now have uh, the score preview function that people can see their score before it gets put on a piece of paper anywhere and you can make the decision to cancel it. So I anticipate that we'll see maybe one or two more cancels than we typically see. I just say, you know, use your judgment about that. You want to try, in the perfect world, you're taking it one time and leaving it at that. But it's not a perfect world. So if you take it up to three times, I don't think you have any need to have any concerns. But after that, you have to wonder, there's going to be very diminishing returns on the additional test, and you have to wonder, like, what do you think is going to happen that didn't happen those other three times? And so it does make me, um, it does raise an eyebrow, I would say, for me and for most other admissions officers I know, if you've taken the test a number of times. Now, here's a question I really loved. Uh, do admissions officers actually read the writing sample? Uh, so... Sort of, some. So it used to be that the writing sample was handwritten, and in, in in those days, you had to really want to read that thing to to 
make sense of the handwriting often. Uh, but I still knew that there, there are some people who really valued it and would read it. Those tended to be the faculty members of admissions committees tended to really uh, love to evaluate your ability to write under pressure. Most admissions officers didn't take that piece of writing that seriously. Again, we were reading zillions of files, and so the time spent on trying to decipher the handwriting was probably a factor there. Now, these essays are typed out, as you know, and it is a lot easier to read them. So I do think that admissions officers will be reading them more often than they used to when it was just handwriting, but it is at most a, a small factor in admissions. I would say take it seriously, though. If you're, if you're writing one sentence that just looks like you are completely unengaged in the process and disrespectful, and it will be very obvious to anybody, even if they weren't going to read it, they'll flip past that page and see you wrote one sentence. So don't do that. Um, you know, put in a reasonable effort. Don't stress yourself stuff. Don't stress yourself out about it. Don't you know get anxious about it. But do put in some effort uh, because it it's really hard to predict who might be looking. But. I don't think you need to worry that it's going to be the be-all or end-all of any application. So this one's a Michigan-specific question. I really like it. It, it. The question is, so we ask on our application, did anyone in your immediate family graduate from Michigan law? And the question is, I'm going to read it just so we have the exact language. So with the question, has anyone in your family graduated from Michigan law, if it is not reflective of your acceptance, or if it is not reflective on your acceptance or denial, why ask? Um, Great question. So cynical, but I love it. Uh, so we ask in order to track it, right? So one, I, I want to be able to know how many people in this entering class actually did have relatives, and it's, it's a very small percentage. But also, if I am denying someone and they are related to an alum, I like to let the development office know just so that they are aware that uh, if I just denied uh, Mary Smith's daughter from law school, they probably won't approach Mary Smith that same week to ask Mary Smith to host an event for the law school, for example. It's really about just communicating and, and maintaining relationships with alumni. But it is just not a factor in the process. Uh, I mean, yeah, so there you go. But that's a good question. Always think critically. All right, that's all I have for the quick questions today, but please keep them coming so we can do more of these uh, shorter episodes. Uh, get a lot of info in a short amount of time. Uh, now let's talk about language quickly. So my fearless videographer Dustin Johnston and I were talking about words that we use when we're writing emails that just kind of keep creeping in. And the examples we were thinking of was the word just and the word actually. And we're like, why, why do I keep using those? Sometimes when I write an email, I will actually, before sending it, go through and delete like 30 examples of the word just or actually. And uh, I think for those words in particular, I'm using those to sort of soften whatever it is I'm saying, not to sound, you know, but it's like, I'm just saying blah, 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 not ah. So uh, other words, though, you'll have, there are certainly other people have other sort of language quirks like that that creep in. Uh, and it is good to be aware of those because it really does weaken your writing and it sounds repetitive and it sounds uh, slightly, frankly, when I read my own emails, it sounds a little mindless sometimes when I'm repeating words over and over again. So 
whether your favored words are just an actually or something else entirely, just be aware of that when you're uh, writing. And I think it does crop up in emails more than more formal writing because you're doing it quickly, but you still want to be persuasive and you still want to be coherent in your emails. So be on the lookout for that. So that's all I have. Thank you so much for watching. Please leave your comments below or send an email to us at law.jd.admissions at umich.edu and put vlog in the subject line. We really want to be able to address your questions, whether they are big ones or small ones. Uh, and thank you, as always, to Dustin Johnston. And finally, wherever you go, go blue.